Hey everyone, this is Mark from The Smallest Bone, and I just wanted to quickly thank you for tuning into the first episode of my podcast. This is going to be the first of many podcasts. I'm planning to release one a month starting now. And these stories are filled with transitions and transformations, complex and unexpected happenings in our lives. I wanted to exhibit the wonders of the world and the mysteries. But I won't blabber on too long. I mean, you can make your own evaluations of the show. But I just wanted to thank you for listening. So without further ado, here's the first episode. Okay, hi, my name is Rebecca Selig, and I'm a free skier, and uh, I've been skiing since I was two years old. What's that, 32 years? 32 years. Whoa, baby. Hmm. <laughs> All right, so January 7th, set the scene. Where, where were you, who were you with? Um, I was in Eastvale, an area uh, in the backcountry, side country, of just off of Vail Mountain with three other guys, Bjorn, Mark, and Tony. And Tony basically texted me and said, let's go get after it, and uh, it was on. Tony's a aspiring pro skier, semi-pro skier as well. Bjorn is a new photographer in the valley that has just been really um, great to work with because he's very strong in the backcountry. And then Mark as well, he had also been a friend of mine that just moved back to town that I have, you know, hit, hit big cliffs with before. So we all felt comfortable and confident with each other. We all met at the top of Eastvale, the hike, and the the couple days before it's been dumping so we had had you know 12 inches 15 inches um but that day it cleared up so it was game time once we got on top of our line um mark dropped in first going to get on you know the biggest rock feature possible and then bjorn dropped in and put himself in what we thought was a safer place um, to the left of the line into a tree area I was third to drop in, cut to the right, and went a little further towards Mark to line up, you know, the cliff we were going to head after that. And then Tony followed, and then hooked a left right by Bjorn. So essentially our group of four split up into two. We could hear each other, but we couldn't see each other. I think we realized, Mark and I realized we were not such a good safe area to be in and it was dangerous none of us ski that specific line regularly no one does mm -hmm. but we we're all really willing to risk it and, and wanting wanting to go there that day i think as soon as we started having doubts mark and i mark discussed his plan i discussed my plan his was i'm gonna i'm gonna point it and go to the right mine was um that looks like too big of a rock feature to jump off of in an avalanche i'm gonna hang on to this tree right now until i can make a better decision how did you know though that there was going to be an avalanche i mean did you just look up and could tell something was going to happen or i think there was a number of signs i think we looked up and we realized we were in a dangerous area and i think we felt it yeah um that's when things hit the fan It was just like probably one of the loudest noises I've ever been in. It was Mother Nature, it was Earth, it was like, I own your ass, here we go, kid. What, what now? What's gonna happen? This is really happening. I've been 
small avalanches and I've heard booms before and I've seen snow move under me, but to be in a large avalanche, And that's when I thought, I'm gonna die, here we go. What I thought would be the scariest, you know, uh, most painful experience ever, wasn't, it wasn't that. There was a moment of peace. My mom, who had just died in August, for some reason was with me. You know, I could feel her presence. So what what was the presence like when you when you felt your mo- mother's presence in the avalanche? What did you feel toward her, from her? What I can remember, it was just more of a. I don't want to say spiritual, but it was just her presence circling me and like a oh you know like a. Mm. <laughs> it sounds so stupid. No, I like it. It's like a. It was like a circular rotation of just. You know, it wasn't exact words, it wasn't exact touch or, you know, again, I can't put it in words. Mm-hmm. Hmm. I think it's because... <laughs> oh, <don't laughs> well, so many people look at this shit and they listen to this and they're so fucking pony, you know? I don't think that this is funny at all. <laughs> and I think more people need to share this. Yeah. When I was a little girl, my dad, um, he almost died in a motorcycle accident. And he was an active alcoholic at the time. And this was just before he quit drinking. He decided to quit drinking. And he, he told us kids that angels spoke to him in the hospital. And, you know, I always, I always held that dear to me, you know. But then I thought, what the fuck? <laughs> Sure, sure, Dad. But, you know, possibly, quite possibly they did. I don't know. I don't know what angels are, you know. Did you feel protected, though, by something? Uh, Yeah, I felt protected. I felt comfortable. I felt safe. I felt like it was okay, even in the worst of the worst situations. Mm And then when you wake up and you realize you lived and someone else didn't, then that's that's when it starts to suck. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's when you realize, what am I going to do now? Who do I need to talk to? Who do I need to call? Now this is an emergency. So I'm guessing I fell 40 feet. And before the avalanche stopped... Um, I literally stood up on my own two feet on a ledge in the middle of that rock band with another 20 feet of air below me on this little ledge. Yeah, I mean, literally it was a foot by a foot triangular rock ledge in the middle of a cliff band. And my legs or my knees didn't get broke or my ACL didn't get torn. I mean, I didn't break anything. I was sore. And that was it. And that's, and then that's, you know, I guess when I had to face reality again. Well, so, as soon as I landed, 
I think we all kind of stopped because the snow flushed over to past us all at the same time. We were close, close enough to voice call out for, I'm okay. Are you okay? And I was the first person to recognize we didn't hear Tony's voice. And so that's when the search started for Tony and we, we yelled, you know, to turn our beacons to search and right away um bjorn was the closest to tony and he found him just below him and his body was wrapped facing downhill around a tree he was not buried um so that made it an easy search you know he was dead right away we didn't want him to be Mm. and we didn't know what else to do except for to put his body in a better position and try to perform cpr and call for help the hardest part, I think, was was when I was on the phone with Vilsky Patrol. I thought I was hallucinating because I heard Tony's mother crying oh, you know, in the background. The whole entire conversation. Turns out I wasn't hallucinating. She's a Vilsky Patroller and she was crying in the background. And I think as we were taking turns, you know, giving Tony CPR, we were all hoping he was still alive or he was just going to start coughing, you know. I think that there was just, we were still so hopeful. When did you realize that um, that Tony couldn't be revived? We didn't want to until help came. And as soon as they came, they, they just put him in the back. When I was a little girl, I was really afraid of other people my pets and my parents and my loved ones dying and I had a big fear of death and I think then that's when I started pushing pushing it pushing it and um, I always bruised myself scraped myself up beat myself up I've had five ACL reconstructive surgeries broken collarbones many concussions you know I've been suicidal at one point in my life so I know what it feels like to want to die and I also know what it feels like to want to live again but I'm not scared of death but I don't think you get to choose when it's your time. Sure. As a recovered alcoholic, um, my sponsor made it very clear that I need to make time to grieve. Shortly after the avalanche, I just kept charging hard. Skiing. Skiing, charging hard in that, in that similar terrain. You know, I even, I even went out with a bigger group than you're supposed to ski with shortly after that. And that was very therapeutic and very helpful. I needed, I feel like that's what happened. I wouldn't say, again, it's right or wrong. I'm not trying to judge myself or compare, um, but it's what I did. You know, the other options would be to just go to AA meetings, go to church, lay at home in bed depressed, and I did that too. And those didn't seem to work as good because I felt so awful for what had happened and responsible and all these things. You know, I just have to uh, <laughs> I have to realize that we were we all made those decisions together, you know, and no one wished for anyone to to get hurt. And once again, I don't think you get to control your destiny. I don't think you get to decide on how you die.
that's all for this episode of The Smallest Bone. This podcast was produced by me, Mark Anderson, with editorial help from Otto Mahler and Wendy Call. Thanks, Otto and Wendy. And thanks also to Rebecca for sharing this story, and Icelandic Skis, her sponsor, for connecting me with her. Now, this is a brand new podcast, so I need your help spreading the word. Please subscribe to iTunes and Stitcher and follow me on Facebook and SoundCloud. The website's thesmallestbone.com. You can leave comments on the show at any of those places, and I'd really love to hear what you think. Also, share the show with your friends. I'd really appreciate your help. Well, thanks for listening, and I hope you listen again in a month.